few weeks ago I uh, began to preach on the subject of biblical, the biblical emphasis on demonology and tried to identify a theology concerning the uh, spiritual world of, um, you know, of the demonic influence of, this, of the uh, world of Satan, his kingdom, etc. I've come to the last sermon on that. It was really just a kind of a mini-series, and I want to preach tonight on, uh, on the subject of um, demon possession and the Christian. There are some subjects that are more difficult to um, address than others. You can imagine that, of course. And this subject is probably the most difficult. As a matter of fact, there is a tremendous temptation to just skip over a subject like this because it's so um, disturbing. And somebody might say, why don't you just kind of skip that kind of, you know, that because, um, you know, nobody really understands it anyway. And it's just disturbing and confusing. Well, I think we need to know what the Bible teaches concerning the demonic world. And there are very few people who have ever done a serious study about the demonic and about a demon indwelling a person or the possibility of demon possession, especially for a Christian. Is that possible? I don't know of too many uh, serious studies on that. You, you just don't find many books on that. As a matter of fact, some of you probably just kind of brush that off as, you know, something that really isn't really true, you know. A man came into my study when I was pastoring out in West Texas, and he gave me this long story about his involvement in the occult and demon possession. And when he left, my secretaries and myself, you know, just kind of laughed, you know, about, that's kind of weird. Watch that guy, you know, because something wrong with him. I think there are two dangers that, um, that we encounter when we begin to consider the theology of, dem of the demonic world. One is to, to say that there's nothing to it, to not believe in it at all. And the other is to, is to have an excessive uh, interest in it to the point that it becomes an obsession so that we are obsessed with the demonic. And so we, we never seem to be able to hit the middle. We go to one extreme or the other. There are some of you tonight, perhaps, who do not believe in it at all. And there might be some, uh, certainly some that I know who, who, are, who are so obsessed with this that they have no other uh, interest, no other uh, involvement in any other biblical study. Now, we have developed some words over a period of time that we have uh, attached to the study of demonology. These words we have developed in our vocabulary. They're words like demon influence, demonic oppression, demonic assault and attack, and demon possession. And we need to know that the Bible knows none of these terms. You'll not find these terms in the Bible at all. 
although they are terms or words that we have developed as we've tried to work through the concept and the idea of the demonic world. There are really two terms that the Bible knows about, and I want to show those to you right now. I want you to turn to the book of James, chapter 3. Now, you'll need a Bible tonight, and you kind of snuggle up to somebody who has one if you don't. If he don't want you to snuggle up to him or her, well, kind of look over his shoulder, all right? Maybe a little hot for snuggling. Verse 13 of chapter 3 of the book of James. Now, the book of James is a New Testament epistle that's over by the book of Hebrews to the right of it. So you'll, you'll find it. Let's find it right quick because we need to move on quickly. Now, what, I'm, what I've just said was, in case you've already forgotten, that the Bible has two terms for the demonic. The first is in the third chapter, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have, a, have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Now, here it is. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. It's called demonic. Now it says that there is a kind of wisdom that is connected with the earth. That is, it is humanistic, it is the natural tendency, and it is demonic. One, one commentator says, it proceeds from the demon world. It is a wisdom that proceeds from the, de from the, from the demon world. It is a wisdom that is influenced by the devil. Now, it's what we call in our vocabulary demonic influence. It is a wisdom that is influenced by the, by the demonic world, by the uh, a host of Satan. Now, there are those who have oppression from the outside and there are those who are influenced by the demonic on the inside. That's where we move now. I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 16. The 8th chapter of the book of Matthew and verse 16. Now, what we are going to look at here is the case of a person who was indwelt by a demon. Verse 16 of chapter 8. And when evening had come, verse 16, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Now, you... You say, well, wait a minute, you just said that that's not a biblical term. Well, it really isn't. That is a transliteration of the word demonized. Now, there are some words in the Bible that, are, that, we, that we cannot really translate. We transliterate. Baptism is one of those words. It's the word baptizo. It means to immerse, to, to dunk, or to plunge into. But we've transliterated the word to, bab, to baptize. And that's the transliteration of it. Now this word is, is demonized. And who were demonized, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. 
Look at verse 28. And when he had come to the other side of the country of the Gadarenes, two men who were demonized, demon-possessed, met him as they were coming out of the tombs. They were so exceedingly violent that no one could pass by that road. Look at verse 31. And the demons began to entreat him, saying, If you're going to cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. Now these men were demonized. The individual was indwelt by the demon, and the demon had to be cast out. Now, there are two references in the scripture. One is that oppression that comes from without, and the other is that, that, that assault or that oppression that comes from within. Now, these had the, had the demon indwelling them. It's called demonized. We use the word demon possession. Now, what are the characteristics of having a demon? I want to take some time before I do that because I just sense that we need to do this, that there are various explanations for the demonic world, for the demonic. There are various explanations. You're going to fit into one of these categories. Would you get them and just jot them down? One explanation of the demonic world is what I call the accommodation theory or the speaking down to. In other words, some say that Jesus really knew there wasn't anything such a thing as a demon, but the people to whom he ministered thought there were, there were demons, and so he just accommodated their language and spoke down to them as though he really thought they were, there were demons because he wanted to get across to them the truth of the evil influence of the time. So he used their vocabulary, and, and it's called the, the, doctor, the theory of accommodation. Then there's a second explanation. And that is that Jesus did not know any better. That he was really uh, mistaken. That there really are and were no supernatural evil influences in the world. Never have been, never will be, and Jesus didn't know any better. There is a third explanation. It's called the psychological view. Now there are some who say in this viewpoint say that demons are what we would call today psychoses or neuroses and that we project and create in our minds the ideas of Satan and the demonic, but they are really creations and projections of the mind. It's the psychological approach. And what really Jesus encountered were people who had forms of mental illnesses, psychoses and neuroses. I want to quote at this point, a man by the name of William Winston, who is the professor tonight, today, of, of psychiatry at Duke University. That, that's a pretty uh, reputable university, wouldn't you say? Duke University. He's the, he's the professor of psychiatry there, and he is a devout Christian. This is his quote, quote, I am compelled by clinical data to conclude instances do occur of inner control of evil spirits. The evil spirit is a counterpart of the Holy Spirit and can control or guide men." End quote. 
from William Winston, professor of psychiatry at Duke University. There is a fourth explanation for uh, the demonic, and that is what we might refer to as the neo-charismatic interpretation or theory. Now, the neo-charismatics say that the evil spirit, that the demons are everywhere, they're everywhere, and that everything that happens in life that is negative or counter to the Christian faith is a demon or is the result of the demon. I know of, of a group uh, that, that studies, a religious group, and before they go into a building, they exercise all the demons out of there. This guy tell me about this, this, this lady who was the most devout member of this church, went to this pastor for counseling, one of the members of this group, and he said, I have identified seven demons in you. And, and, and this religious leader, you may see him on television, said one day he couldn't get his key in the lock, in the, in the lock of the door, and he, pe he peeked down to look in the lock and saw a demon in there. It's a neo-charismatic. And they divide these groups of demons into 53 major groups. There is another explanation. It's called the pessimistic view. It's what Hal Lindsey espouses in his book, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. The pessimistic view is that demon powers are, are in the world, are everywhere, have always been, but in these last days, in this eschatological day of the last times, the demons are arming themselves to a spectacular assault on the Christian church called the pessimistic view. And then there is the evangelical approach that says that demons are a part of the host of Satan and Christ is the answer to every assault. And there's a kind of middle ground somewhere. Now what about the characteristics? The characteristics of, of the demonic. Are demon possession, are demons indwelling? What are the characteristics? I refer you to several verses of Scripture. One is in the ninth chapter of Matthew. If you have your Bible still there, turn with me. We're just doing a little study here. You're wondering, what is he talking about? You just hang in there and we'll see if we can find out some answers. Chapter 9, verse 32. And as they were going about, as they were going out, behold, a dumb man. Now, it doesn't mean ignorant. It means mute. A mute man, demon-possessed, demonized, was brought to him. Turn to chapter 12, verse 32. Verse 22. Chapter 12, verse 22. Then there was brought to him a demonized man who was blind and dumb, who was blind and mute, and he healed him so that the dumb man spoke and saw, so that the mute man could speak and he could see. Now, now let me just say parenthetically again that some of you are saying, well, this was true for Jesus' time, but is it true for our time? What's the difference? You see, I mean, how is it different if Jesus encountered this in his time, when did, there, when did it no longer, was it no longer true that there is no host of Satan? It's when we decided that there wasn't. You know, that's when. I mean, Jesus didn't tell us that, that what was true in the New Testament is not true now. He didn't say that. We said it. 
Uh, amen? Is that, isn't that right? I mean, if, if we say this is not true in, the, in, the, in our day that was true in the New Testament, that's us saying it, not him. I want to get that perfectly clear. I believe it. I believe it's true today. All right, Acts chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 16. Now, for, for our study tonight, this may be the verse that we want to really uh, underline. Acts 16, verse 16. Verse 16 reads like this, And it happened as they were going to a place of prayer, a certain slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her, now, now Luke's writing this and he's an eyewitness to it. I mean, he didn't just take somebody's word for it. He said this girl with a, with a spirit of divination, fortune telling, uh, met us and was bringing her masters much profit by fortune telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out saying, these men are bond servants of the most high God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Isn't it amazing that this spirit, this evil spirit who indwelled her recognized that they were working or in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's amazing to me that sometimes even the Christian does not recognize that, that what that preacher's doing, what that missionary's doing is, is, is in the power of the Holy Spirit of God with his anointing. But, but they did, the demon, the spirit of divination, and she continued doing this for many days and Paul was greatly annoyed. I can imagine that. Now, it's pretty good to brag on him for a while, but that got a little old. I mean, she followed him around and saying this, that. And so he turned to her and said this, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at the very moment. What came out? This evil spirit that was indwelling her. That gave her, watch this, that gave her the ability to tell fortunes. Now, let me just say, at this point, I want to mention later on, parenthetically, that, that, that we, we kind of exalt, you know, these people that claim to be able to tell fortune, you know, and read palms and all that. Some of us say, well, you know, that's, that's wonderful. They can do that. And some say there's not anything to it. They're just out for our money. Let me tell you what the truth is. If they have the ability to do it, it's a satanic power. That's what, what happened here. All right, now, I, I've, I've been wrestling with this. I believe this. I believe that there is a difference in demon possession and demonic influence. There is a difference between demonic possession, which means to control, if you possess your car, you control. In seminary, he's not often one of these crazy uh, excesses. He is, a, he is so brilliant, a man, now this doesn't seem too smart for, you know, but guy walks home reading a book, you know. He walks around reading, he has, Lee knows him well personally. He has, he has literally absorbed books that you couldn't put in this auditorium. He's the most profoundly intellectual man I've ever met. And he's written a book called Demons, Demons, Demons. 
He is the Southern Baptist authority on the, on the theology of, of demonic possession. Now, what, listen to what he says. The marks of the New Testament description of demon possession are in a remarkable way like the, the, the marks of possession reported in our day. Here's what he said, the characteristics. The double voice, clairvoyance, extreme bodily strength, resistance to divine things, exorcism, a complete cure after expulsion. Complete cure after expulsion. When a person, he says, and he, 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 say, he, he sees a difference between demon possession and demonic influence, he says, when a person is under demonic influence, he says, the characteristics are typical but less extreme. These include, watch this, non-receptivity to divine things, religious doubt, inaptness for true knowledge of sin, inability to concentrate in Bible reading and prayer, persistent lack of peace, inner unrest, temper outburst, blasphemy, depression, and suicidal thoughts. With these marks is joined the various compulsions toward drunkenness, sexual immorality, falsehood, theft, and drugs. The demon possession and the demonic influence. Now the question is, can, such, can a believer experience such as that? Well, um, I think they can. Now, I'm, 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 I'm struggling. I'll leave, your, I'll leave the decision up to you as to whether a Christian can have a demon indwell them or, or, or whether that's just demonic influence. I'll leave that up to you. But I want to read you some scripture verses. For example, I want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Now, 1 Samuel is over at the front of the Bible. I know this is getting a little heavy. You, you, can, you can stay with me for a little longer, can't you? Shake your head up and down like that. that that's, that's good. 16, verse 14. Now look. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. Terrorized him. Now, in the Old Testament, Saul lived in a day when the Holy Spirit would, would come and would depart. Now, that doesn't happen now. Now, watch this. Be sure you don't misunderstand. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would, of God, the Holy Spirit, would come upon a man, come upon a believer, come upon one that God was, was, was blessing and, 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 and using. But the Holy Spirit would, was not there to indwell or to abide. That came after, he came after Pentecost to abide and never to depart until the Lord returns. But in Saul's day, that, that, that was possible. And the Holy Spirit departed from Saul and an evil spirit that the Lord permitted terrorized him with depression and fear. That's demonic influence of a believer. I want you to turn case number two. We call it case one. We'll get over to the New Testament now. Hurry with me. Luke 13, chapter 10. Now, if you can find Luke, just put your finger there because we're not going to get too far. We're not going to stray too far away from Luke again. Luke 13, chapter 10. Case number two is about this woman, unnamed woman. Now, watch in verse 10 of chapter 13. Hurry and find it. Luke 13, 
and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who for 18 years who had, had, had a sickness caused by a spirit and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are free from your sickness. And he laid hands on her, and immediately she was erect again and began glorifying God. Now, some would say, you know, in one of these series, well, Jesus knew there wasn't a demon, but he accommodated himself to the belief of that day. And the synagogue official, indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the multitude in response, there are six days in which to work. Why doesn't this guy work, leave a Sabbath day alone? But Jesus answered him and said, you hypocrites, does not each of you, if you Sabbath, your ox or donkey is in the stall, you untie them and lead them to water. Now here's what I'm looking at. And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years. Now he called her the daughter of Abraham. Now does that, was, is that just a reference to the fact that she was Jewish? Well, the 19th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, chapter, chapter 19, verse 9, you don't need to look there. God, Jesus called Zacchaeus the son of Abraham in reference to the fact that he was a believer and a follower of Jesus. So it seems to indicate that this woman who had this demonic oppression or influence, at least influence, if not possession, was a believer. Case number three is Luke 22, verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. If you follow me there, then I'll just give the next references and we'll move quickly to the end. Verse 31. Here's Jesus sitting around his disciple with his disciples in the upper room. Simon, he says, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Now the word... The pronoun you there is, in, is the plural pronoun. You've got to find that in the Greek lexicon, but it's the plural pronoun, and it's the word you all. If he's talked like we do down in Texas, say, Satan has desired to sift you all, plural. He's talking about all of the disciples. To sift you all like wheat. Now look at the next statement. Where am I? Yeah, verse 32. But I have prayed for you. Look here. But I have prayed for you. And that you pronoun is singular. It's singular. You don't see that unless you've got a Greek New Testament. Satan has desired to sift you all, all of you disciples like wheat. But I have prayed for you. You specifically and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And there seems to be the implication that, that Peter is going to be subjected to a, to a special kind of sifting, a special kind of assault that the other disciples would not encounter. You don't have to turn, but just put it down. Case four is Acts 5. It's the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And, and they... Uh, they, 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 you know the story. They, they lied against, they lied to the, uh, against the Holy Spirit, and 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 Paul or Peter, the leaders of the disciples, called them in. Peter said, "Satan filled your hearts, 
fills your hearts. And when you study that word in the Greek, it's the same word that's used for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Satan has you under his control. And Ananias and Sapphira were believers. They were members of the church. And they were under the influence, under the control at that moment of Satan. 1 Peter 5, 8 is that passage that deals with Satan. It says, uh, be sober, be vigilant, for Satan, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. The word means to swallow up, to consume, to destroy, to take control. Now, how does this happen? I want you to imagine with me now. We're going to look at this, and, and uh, that'll be the end of this series. I want you to imagine with me three circles, with three with two circles within a circle. The outside circle, and you might want to do this on, I left a whole page there, uh, or my secretary did, because I, she, she had clairvoyant power and, and read my mind. Left a whole page for you to make this circle. Now, you, you make a big circle, and I want you to write on the outside of that circle, realm of contact, realm of contact. Inside the circle, I want you to write ground of entry, and then in the middle, put the word Hold, the word to hold. Now the realm of contact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna coin a term. The term is tentacles of the soul. Now we are a trichotomy, that is we are physical, soulish, and spiritual being. And with the phys in the physical world, in the physical body, we relate to the world around us. We relate to the creation around us. We, 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 we relate to the world around us, to the creation, through the senses, the eye, the ear, the taste, you know the senses, the touch, the smell. We, we're going to use a... Use a um, a, phrase, a term, those are the tentacles of the soul. That is, that's how we as human beings relate to the created order through the physical senses. Now, that's also the realm of contact where the satanic, the demonic touches us, contacts us. For example, through the eye, the literature we read, the pictures we see. Just occurred to me, what if, what if some husband here, what if there's a husband that's, that one day decided he'd bring just an armload of pictures of naked women, just an armload of them, and just make wallpaper out of them in the living room. Is, it, is his wife going to stay there? <laughs> she going to move out. She may not move out totally, but she's going to move out in somewhere else. She's not going to hang around there. You think that the Holy Spirit is going to hang around in our mind where we have all the, these pictures? The contact of the eye, what we see, the ear, the audio sensory device that perceives sounds, music, etc. The mind, emotional things, intellectual pursuits, entertainment, the mouth, drugs. 
Now watch this carefully. Every person has an area of weakness, a realm of contact, and Satan will find a passion that is alive in, our, in, in, in us and intensify and heighten and glamorize and glorify that area of weakness. He will do that. As a matter of fact, there is a reference just popped into my mind, a book of Acts, where it says that Satan knew God and understood Paul. And the word understood means that he knew that place of contact where he could glamorize and intensify and heighten his temptation and make contact with Saul, with Paul. Now, ground of entry. The ground of entry is the place where the devil enters into our consciousness, into our life. The occult practices, the occult practices, lusts, perversions, Pornography, deep depression, jealousy, hatred toward another person. These are all entries where Satan enters into the life and, 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 and consciousness of humanity. And when he gets a hold, he has a hold. Now, you can believe this story. It sounds unbelievable, but it's true. I'm not even going to say it's true whether it happened or not because it really happened. It's a true story. I was in the prayer room one day at North Fort Worth Baptist Church and I was in prayer and as I was in prayer, I, it was a, it, I was struggling in my prayer time. I, I really wasn't really getting a hold of God. It was one of those difficult times, prayer. And the phone in the prayer room rang and my secretary said, you've got, a phone, you've got a call, could you come to the office? I went to the office and it was a, a lady calling me who was a member of our church, an active member of our church, had some children, had young people. And one of these young girls, her daughter, was the, was the subject of this telephone call. And she said, I, I need to come and sit down. I'm going to tell you something that you will have a hard time believing if you don't see the evidence. And so she came and sat down in my office and handed me some letters that this girl was, had, had received from a homosexual friend. And it was the most unbelievable stuff I've ever read. And this friend, they were, they were corresponding that had a homosexual relationship. And they had, now this sound, this, this is almost too graphic to even mention, but it's, it, it fits into what we're talking about. They, they had a ritual in their, in, 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 in joining together in this uh, uh, unholy relationship and they drank each other's urine. Told about it in this letter. Well, the long and short of it is that I got this young girl an appointment with a Christian psychiatrist in Dallas, and she went for interviews several times. I talked to this Christian psychiatrist. He said, no question in mind, the girl is homosexual. And he said, there's no doubt in my mind that they're, that, that they're involved in the occult and the demonic world, caught up in it. Well, 
as this thing began to unfold and to develop, they, they had a, almost a supernatural wavelength between them. Now, they didn't prearrange any kind of thing, but they would just kind of think together. And, and so one of them would slip out of her house and she'd go down to the park and the other would just know that that girl was going to be at the park. They didn't arrange to meet one another there, but they had that kind of a supernatural wavelength. And, and, and this, this whole story was the most bizarre and weird and unbelievable thing which I've ever been a part. And, 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 and having moved away from that situation, I don't really know what has developed out of there. I know that there was a lot of intense and, and, and prayer and, and repentance on the part of the family and, and struggling on the part of the girl to, to find some deliverance and relief point I want to make is that, that, that I'd like for you just to lay aside all of your opinions and your ideas and your thoughts concerning this. Just lay them aside just for a moment and, and just act and just live and just think that as though God were speaking to you tonight through His Word for the first time concerning this and give an open mind to the possibility that we are constantly open and vulnerable to, a, to, a, to an attack that is beyond our ability and strength. But he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And the bottom line of the whole story is, the whole thing is, that wherever Jesus appears, the demon, the demonic influence fled, fled. And the truth is, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you've made provision for all time in the person of your son who encountered everything in this life and came out the victor. We run to him as to his name as to a strong tower. We find our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And Lord, we just confess that that we've given occasion too many times. We've, been our, we've allowed ourselves to be in position to be tempted. Deliver us from the evil one. And give us tonight a, a, a commitment to Jesus Christ that will enable us to live victoriously in this life because I pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. Now I'd like to give an invitation tonight. Now the invitation um, has a relationship to three things. First, to the trusting of Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Isn't it, wasn't it wonderful to see all these folks baptized? That's a thrilling thing. To know that Jesus Christ is coming to live in their life from forever and ever. And He is in them and dwelling them. You, you can have the same kind of experience by trusting in Jesus, him, him alone, transferring your trust over to Him, repenting from sin and turning to Him. 
Or maybe you just need to come and rededicate your life to Christ or to place your life in our church. To walk with us. We need you. We would love for you to come and join us if God will lead you to do it. Would you stand? We'll just sing through a couple of stanzas. Aaron will lead us. We invite you to come.